When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Brighton Rock, an Albion podcast with me, Russell Guyver, with Peter Marsh. Hello, Peter. Hi, Russ. And we welcome back Robin Woolley. How are you, Robin? Very well, thank you. How are you both? Good, yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Thanks for you, having Peter? me back. Always welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we wanted to, um, in part three of this podcast, we're going to get into talking about some more team selections um, on a novelty theme. Uh, we'll come to that bit later on. Um, we're also talking through a very busy week in the world of football. Nothing on the pitch, of course, apart from Belarus, but plenty going on behind the scenes. So we'll be talking our way through all of that. And finding out what you guys have been doing, what your latest is in the world of lockdown. Um, starting off, though, just reel through a few things from... This week's news, um, I think there's been so much, it's probably best to go through it day by day, really. And in fact, before I start, I think something that may have predated the last podcast, um, something that somehow I forgot to pick up rather incompetently, Spurs have asked um, their already sacked manager Pochettino to take a pay cut on his salary, um, which I thought was a marvellous a marvellous effort there from him. What do you think about that, guys? Um, it's always good to be paying people after you've sacked them, isn't it? You couldn't make it up, really, could you? Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I suppose, I suppose if you're looking for somewhere to cut costs, that's probably a, a natural mm. place to start. But yeah. I mean, he hasn't gone. I mean, he's not got another job, has he? So it's not like no, he's earning. He's probably struggling financially. Yeah, he's, he's all right. Company. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so, you know. But yeah, I think. Yeah, if, if you're looking for something to cut, that's probably a that's probably yeah. the place he started. When um, Leeds went down and they were they had to loan all their players to the to the Premier League, and they're like were paying like eighty percent of their wages while they were while they're still playing for someone else or something like that. Like Fowler <laughs> and got a hundred grand a week or something like that or more. Madness. It is crazy, isn't it? But anyway, on to, on to the week's news. So on Monday, I uh, started with a novel bit of information. Uh, when the Danish Superliga um, have announced that they are to resume, albeit behind closed doors, Mitchell and uh, intend to install giant screens in their stadium car park to enable up to 10,000 fans, possibly more, to watch the games. Um, they are to open 2,000 parking spaces to create the best possible experience for fans amid the pand- pandemic. The idea is that the players will be able to see the footage of the fans 
being parked in the car park, beamed up to them on screens while they're playing in the empty stadium um, to help the players feel the presence of the supporters. Uh, a bit of a novel scheme, this. What do you think about this, guys? Um, it's an, yeah, it's a novel is probably the best way to describe it, isn't it? I mean, I can see, the, I can partly see the appeal because this touches on something that, that we mentioned in, in one of the previous episodes, which is if you're going to play it behind closed doors, you've got the risk of a, a lot of fans turning up, you know, to the ground anyway to want to congregate together. So I guess if they're doing it like this, there's an element of control that you can, obviously being in cars helps to keep the social distancing a bit. I think it's kind of organised. It's a vaguely organised version of that. So I can see, yeah. I can see the, the reasoning for it. Um, not sure it's going to have a huge amount of effect on the players in terms of creating an atmosphere. But yeah, I agree. I don't I think, know, really. You see the logic of it generally, but the players thing is just ridiculous. It's just like, yeah, no I'm way. Very curious to see an atmosphere that. from people's cars on a big screen. Through. I mean, I guess you've got the you've got the potential amusement of an opposition goalkeeper about to take a free kick and everyone hooting their horns, but <laughs> <laughs> or a penalty, you know, opposition players about to take a penalty. This but. could be very bizarre. It's quite intimidating, though, as a a baying crowd. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Well, yeah, well, exactly. So. See, anyway, we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. It may not well, take too many grounds though, around here because most of them don't have big parking areas. Well, I mean, uh, the Amex, you'd have, to, you'd have to arrive about four days before kickoff and you'd be there for about four days after the full-time whistle. <laughs> so. You're sitting at Mill Road, kind of beeping your horn. Yeah. <laughs> the only right. there's more parking than actual fans is MK Dons. They've got like yeah. a car park. Oh, yeah, of course, park. yeah. So you could actually yeah. have more fans in the car park than you probably can attend games. the ground. <laughs> anyway. It's an well, innovative but... idea. That, but, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, hats off to them for trying yeah, something or yeah. planning to yeah. Well, other news on Monday. Um, Arsenal uh, reached a voluntary agreement with players and coaching staff over a 12.5% pay cut. Um, that's all well and good, but Arsenal had to repay the agreed amounts based on specific targets linked to success on the pitch, should things come back to normal. And they've said the agreement is based on the assumption that the season is finished and the club received broadcasting revenues. A club statement said, we are proud and grateful to our players and staff for putting together uh, pulling together, sorry, to support our club. Um, hmm. Meza Ozil didn't though, did he? No, there was one or two yeah, exceptions to the rule. Um, I mean, also Sheffield United manager Chris Wilder and CEO Stephen Bettis agreed to partial wage deferrals. And they also confirmed that senior coaching staff have agreed to defer for six months period. Um, and subsequently on the Tuesday, the players also jumped in on that as well. So all good things from there. Liverpool suspended the renewal of season tickets for next season pending clarity over the COVID situation and have also offered rebates should this current season not be completed. So rebates on, you know, unfulfilled um, matches. Um, so that was, that was something. Probably more significantly, and the EFL are investigating the January takeover of Peter's now local club, Charlton Athletic by East Street Investments. Wow, that's because all gone all... a bit. That all went very, very badly, very quickly, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the consortium bought Charlton for a pound with the agreement to then pay a further £15 million to purchase the remaining assets. The majority shareholder, Tenun Nimer, is yet to satisfy the EFL requests um, to, for proof of the source of fundings. Um, and there was a, um, there, there's a British, is it a British yeah. guy who's the chairman or the other part of the consortium, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's been removed, hasn't he? Yeah, because mm. I think he, couldn't, he didn't, couldn't even get access to the ground or something, couldn't he? He'd literally been locked out, I think. Yeah. So I walked up the day and the gate was open. So he's obviously not looking at the right gate. Bizarre. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's another mess, isn't it? And you feel for Charlton fans who've already. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, exactly. They they'd been we thought as a neutral, given that we you know we've had some good days at Charlton. I thought, oh yeah, this looks looks as if obviously, like you say, it couldn't really get any worse on the surface mm. from their previous owner, but it seems to have done. Yeah, yeah, it is rather yeah, unfortunate. They're in the bottom three now as well, having had some yeah. good starts this yeah. season, despite the Chatelet's presence. Still, they've they've dropped. They've had an awful run in the last like. Six months. Hmm. Yeah, because yeah. I think the first bit of the season they were up kind of just outside the playoffs for a while. Yeah, I think, weren't they? They led after about six or seven games. Yeah. They must have had. I think in six months they've won about one or two games. I mean, not that we. Yeah, as... <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we could com- we could complete an entire calendar year without a win at this rate. <laughs> oh dear, it's looking ominously anyway. possible, isn't it? Um, but, well, stick, sticking with the EFL news, anyway, there was quite a bit of other stuff on Monday. MK Dons players agreed to place, um, their, or to place their players on furlough and to defer 25% of their wages for the month of April. Meantime, interestingly, Shrewsbury from the same division decided against deferrals with players and staff to continue to receive their full salaries. So that's interesting. Um, mm. While well, Portsmouth Chief Executive Mark Catlin, rather more bleakly, has described the potential financial impact of the lockdown as horrific. So, Absolutely. you know, a whole bunch of messages coming out of the EFL, really, in terms of the state general of play. The problem with this whole situation is, at the 92, there's two ends of the team. So there's like one end at the top and who rely heavily on Sky Money and want, you know, almost the games to be played, whatever happens, whoever is 10s or whatever. But the lower end actually just don't want to play behind closed doors because they will lose money. They, they rely heavily on whatever they can get attendance-wise and money on the day, the day of games and that sort of thing. And actually hmm. playing games behind closed doors will lose them loads of money. Yeah, because yeah, still you've got to pay to have medical staff. You've yeah. got to pay to have all the other stuff that goes around. They get Obviously, no policing really because there's no fans, but you've still got to have a lot of other admin-related costs. Yeah. Possibly even, you know, and what we're saying, it probably would have to have police, you know, just to say, make sure no one hangs around. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. make sure there's no one around. So Appearance fees and bonuses for players, maybe yeah. as well as part of their contracts. You know, yeah. yeah, it's going to be weird, isn't it, to see how that goes. But, I mean, um, I suppose, like, to your point, I mean, are they, are they then going to have to hand back season ticket money as well? Yeah, they would yeah, have to play, play games behind. I mean, I suppose if you're a, if you're a fan and you realise that if you take the money back, the club might fold, yeah. you might, there's a decision, obviously... You are in. You would be entitled to the money, but I suppose there's kind of a there's a bigger decision to be made, isn't there? Which is, yeah, are you going to forego that money to potentially keep the club going? But if you're out of work because you've been fired, yeah, the whole thing, then whatever it is, you might be. You, I suppose you it depends if you've money, paid but... for it. If you've paid for it up front, I suppose I don't know. It's diff- It's very difficult, isn't it? Yeah, hmm. very. very I agree. Difficult. If you say basically, clubs are like, well, if you if, if we refund this, then. But a lot we, of them we, do rely on day on game day revenue. I mean, obviously, Albion have got mostly tickets sold through season tickets whereas a lot of clubs will have maybe a thousand season tickets and then rely on yeah people know, turning out thousand on a day to kind of you know top up their attendances away support yeah. as well you know yeah um well valencia players and coaches have agreed to take pay cuts to protect the wages of non-playing staff so that's quite commendable there but the rest of the news from monday was pretty bleak i mean firstly we're talking about clubs struggling well, Belgium's second-tier club, Lokeren, a, a club I'm familiar with the name of, they've been in the top flight before um, on a number of occasions, they're facing bankruptcy fa- after failing to meet a deadline to secure investment. So things looking pretty bleak, bleak for them. Yeah, that is. Um, I mean, that, this, isn't co- this is not specifically COVID-related, is it, by the sounds of it? it seems like no, it's been going on not. for yeah, quite a long time, by the sounds of it. Well, I do remember they were... 
Yeah, they were in um, they were in the Europa League the same year that Hull City were in the yeah, Europa in 2012, League. Yeah, twenty twelve they won the Belgian Cup, so they'd be twenty thirteen presumably. Yeah, yeah, I think that was when yeah when Hull Hull would have got there. They, they got to the Cup the final, I think, didn't they? So they lost yeah. the Belgian Cup six years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the other bit of bleaker yeah. news, um, rounding off Monday's info was um, a FIFPRO study showed that a sharp rise has occurred in the number of players showing symptoms of anxiety and depression. Uh, 22% of female players and 13% of male players apparently have reported symptoms, which is double the number before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So the effects in that regard as well are uh, quite worrying, aren't they, too? Yeah, Um, I I suppose for them especially, it's the lack of... I mean, if you're not a professional sportsman, obviously your lifestyle has changed in the way that you're now not going to work but a lot of people are working from home. So essentially your, your, your job in a sense has not changed for a lot of people. If you're yeah. a professional sportsman, your, your whole environment, everything you do is geared around exercise, isn't it? Training, playing matches. So if you're suddenly now basically stuck at home, I think obviously I'm, I just think their, their kind of, their lifestyle has changed even more than, than the average person probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So, so it's difficult times. And um, I mean, that it's obviously mental health, health issues in football are a, a big issue in general. So this just exacerbates the matter, doesn't it? Which is, uh, I mean, I think a... the other issue with that is, um, is I guess you've got, it's probably not so much in the Premier League, but outside of the Premier League, you've got the situation of probably far more players are due to be out of contract on the 30th of June. Yeah. So you've got that. I mean, you've got the financial, um, I mean, I've, your personal experience from this is that there's a, a player that plays for Sunderland who who lives very close to me, um, who I'm quite friendly with, and been chatting to him, and he's he's out of contract on the 30th of June, mm. and he's he's got no idea what's going to happen really. You mm. know, he's got young family. He's not been obviously, you know, League One footballer for the top end League One team. You know, he's going to be he's going to be doing all right financially, but you know, he's not he's not at the level of you know Premier League where he can not have to worry that there's not mortgage payments and, you know, all of the yeah. stuff that the rest of us have to worry about. So I think there's probably, I'd imagine there's that angle feeding into it probably quite, quite substantially. Yeah. I mean, at some point during the week, um, I remember Gary Neville as well uh, quoted as saying he thinks that literally as many as potentially thousands of people in the football industry players might be having to look for alternative careers because if things implode to the degree which they could in their worst case scenario, then we're talking, you know, there, there just simply aren't going to be the roles for, well, for fully paid uh, professional yeah. footballers. Um, roles. That, that's going to be a, a serious issue. Yeah, um, I think I read something during this week. I'm trying to find it, but I couldn't just now. But it was something about League Two clubs having like crisis talks at one point this week because, and about the season having to end by 30th of June because there's up to like 200 players out of contract or something like that. Yeah. It's madness, because I guess... A lot of clubs will play, will get players in on one-year deals, see how they do, and yeah. afford to be stuck with the, the wages. And that's, well, actually, that's under 10 per team, so it's not a huge numbers, actually. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, anyway, moving on to Tuesday, um, Sheffield United players, as I mentioned above, deferred, announced that they were going to defer as well. Um, Barca announced naming rights to their stadium, which is a big issue. They ne- never normally allow that, are to be sold for an exceptional one-year period on a one-off basis to raise money to fight the virus, which I thought was a commendable move. Um, so fair play to them. Uh, temperatures are rising over the Newcastle United takeover situation. Though This is probably the biggest talking point of the week, I think, pretty much. Um, yeah. Just to run through a few bits uh, to summarise. 
PCP Capital Partners have paid a deposit and exchange contracts with Mike Ashley over the sale for a reported £300 million. But now Amnesty International have written to the Premier League expressing their concerns that a consortium whose principal member is a Saudi prince should be allowed ownership and control, stating all businesses need to safeguard against links to human rights violations. Um, well, the deal looks set to go through perhaps as early as the end of this month if the consortium passes the Premier League's owners and directors test, which of course we know is all very, very stringent and nobody gets through unless they really deserve it, he says sarcastically. Um, the Premier League have said that they will not comment on any aspect of the proposed sale as it stands. I mean, later in the week, we'll, we'll talk about other people showing concerns about this takeover as well, but that's for different reasons. Amnesty seems to be the only ones that have actually flagged it up on the, well, I'd say the more um, unpalatable uh, yeah, reason. and I think to be to be brutally honest, I think no one's going to care about that aspect. No, no, unfortunately, you're probably. Yeah, I mean, they should do, but I just I don't think it will register. The aspect that, you, that we'll touch on later in the week, as a slightly cynical person, is probably where there's going to be more of a. Yeah, it's going to be more of an issue. But I think TV given the the issue yeah. about the TV and all that. And... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's that's probably what's going to what's going to um, potentially kick it off, which is. BN Sports, who are based, who are obviously one of the Premier League's biggest um, overseas broadcast partners, who are based in Qatar, and obviously Qatar don't really have the <laughs> the highest <laughs> highest level of humanitarian uh, moral fibre from which to uh, preach. But yeah, so they're they're the one of the Premier League's biggest overseas broadcasters, and they've they're not particularly happy because Saudi Arabia, as you mentioned, is is kind of the home of um, some of the biggest pirating operations and i think similarly there's been some moves from uh nbc in the states i think who are obviously another big broadcast partner so that is going to that's potentially where the pressure will come which is if you get multiple overseas broadcast partners saying that you know obviously they could threaten to you know pull their money at a time mm. where money is where we know that basically if, if if the if the broadcasting bubble were to burst on top of what's happening at the moment that could really have quite damaging effects so yeah. people have been saying oh previously and all that and what happened then a number of clubs been administration after that yeah, yeah and people have said oh previously you know they've not been bothered about saudi arabia sheffield united have obviously you know owned by some from mm. saudi arabia but i think you take into account the particular situation now with coronavirus and the, and the broadcasting element of that and mm. i think to be honest i still think the takeover will probably go through um Unless the government, re I've seen there's quite a lot of governmental pressure from various yeah. people on the back benches to yeah. get involved. But hmm. I don't know, I, I could see said, it probably going through. has to be said that dodgy money in the Premier League and lower leagues does not only come from Saudi Arabia. It's an awful lot of very questionable... Oh, yeah, yeah. Other <laughs> in, in true BBC... <laughs> <people. laughs> yeah, in true BBC in fashion, you know, <laughs> other, other awful owners are available. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much yeah. all the dodgy countries in the world invest somewhere in football in England somehow. Yeah. yeah. Meantime, we continue to socially distance here. Although not all of us, I believe we neglected to mention actually on previous episodes that Jose Mourinho flouted social distancing rules um, when he was seen giving one-to-one -one coaching in a park with his Spurs players. Uh, well, that now gets the attention it deserves from us. Um, but there is more. Um, but now, I think a couple of weeks later, Sergio Oria and Musa Sissoko have apologised yeah. I, I'm assuming that's for the same incident. No, uh, but no different. different. They, they were training together in a park. Yeah. Um, was very different. similar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. I Mourinho was training only with in, in Dom Billy, where his name is. 
I think. Oh, yeah, that was right. That yeah, was right. And, yeah, Aurier and Sissoko were training together. Yeah, so, so yeah. they were filmed training together. Um, and, yeah, they've deleted the video on social media, apparently. Of People the really are in... quite stupid, aren't they? Not only know, the rules, but also filming themselves and putting it on social media. Exactly. Yeah. I'll come to another matter of that um, with the m- most recent news when we get later into the pod as well. Someone yes. even more I'm for sure you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, breach of government guidance. Players have issued a joint apology, therefore stating that they will make a financial donation to the NHS. But it's a token gesture um, rather than a willing thing, isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, we're we got caught rather than we're sorry that we did it, I think you probably... Yeah, be. exactly. Yeah, yeah. What I don't get about this is that you've got a lot of those players that probably have enormous gardens. Mm. Yeah. So if they're going to yeah. do it, why not just say... Obviously, I'm not advocating that people do that, but if you were going to do it, Surely yeah. you would do it in that situation and not something very visible, where basically, in theory, anyone and everyone can well, can, can and will film. Yeah, exactly. Film. So I was a bit surprised by that. Yeah. Well, also, and then I don't think they did get caught, except for the fact they put it on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No one actually saw them. They put it on social media, and everyone went, "If that's from, if that's like a recent video, you can't, you can't do that." You kind of so it's their own video. Sometimes. The intelligence of people in this world, don't you? Yeah, I think it was a kind of Snapchat or Twitter style uh, posting. Okay. This is what we've been doing today, and everyone just went, uh, yeah. mm, "No, <laughs> oh dear." It's not well, quite as bad as the person who drove a hundred miles from Nottingham to London to save a pound on bread, which I think is the <laughs> person in the uh, in the coronavirus. in the lockdown so far. That is terrific. Love it. <laughs> to be fair, you deserve to be named and shamed and written about all over place. And how much had is that? Is that a pound saved after factoring in petrol costs? No, I don't think. No, I think it's just a pound. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's genius, isn't it? Fantastic. Uh, anyway. Oh dear. Well, uh, moving not great. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the football finance scenarios. Um, well, um, there's been said to be a, min- a minority, but a growing number of English league clubs who feel that the season should be curtailed. However, Burton Albion chairman Ben Robinson told Sky Sports News this week that the EFL must attempt to finish the current season. He said, aside from the integrity, financial considerations, if we don't, our mammoth, um, he said that playing behind closed doors will mean broadcasting and sponsorship deals are fulfilled, which maybe is a key element with, with playing it regardless of... Um, Otherwise, if you're mid-table, what's the motivation? Yeah, exactly. There are teams who have basically got nothing to play for, barring mathematical improbabilities or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Robinson's views echo those of Fleetwood Town Chairman and owner Andy Pilly. Um, He's recently um, been on YouTube with a number of uh, um, serialised clips, I think, where he's been talking about the situation at his club, which is interesting, very frank and... um, open, I think you can say, um, and he's been active, um, essentially describing the state of play with his club. Um, certainly the idea of continuing the season for financial reasons is centred around TV income, um, while ending it now obviously involves running businesses with no discernible income for a six-month period or more, so I guess it's, uh, it, again, it's circumstantial, isn't it? It's an impossible is, choice, really. Yeah. Different I mean, it comes it. down to, yeah, I mean, I suppose... Yeah, it's very, it's just very difficult. I mean, do you say you've just got to make the the choice really? What's more important? Is it this season? Is it to complete this season, however long it takes? But the knock-on effect of that is that you're going to have a significant impact on the traditional timing of seasons for years to come. 
you know, as in yeah. the kind of August, you know, the August to May but the issue window. Is the European Championships have been playing next June. Yeah, exactly. So you can't... Move it around. It's this season that's going to have to be next season. Yeah, exactly. I think as 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 bad as, as you know, as I can absolutely see the integrity point of view from this. But I think if you were just to do a simple pros and cons kind of, you know, list, mm. I think it would it would lose really. As you know, yeah. I just think that like you say the European Championship um, next year. You know, the fact that you've then you've you'd essentially have to tear up you know, the whole timings for seasons for multiple years. Yeah. Um, well, basically, every week that goes on with lockdown, it looks less and less likely that we can actually do the actual yeah. next this season. because you've got another... You're going to have to wait a month before they start... One, from training till the first game, you've got to wait for a month. So if they yeah. started training next week, you're then already looking beginning of June yeah. before well, they can yeah, even start. Already, there's two more yeah. of lockdown, isn't there? So... Yeah. yeah. So they can't start training probably till the middle of May. Yeah. So then you've got yeah. you've got till the middle of June, and they're saying we want to finish it by the thirtieth. So you're looking at playing ten games in fifteen days. Yeah, can't see that. It's just not. Um, and I can't see the contract. I mean, FIFA have said, oh, you know, we can we can we can sort out contracts being temporarily extended. But I mean, like we've said before, the integrity of the competition then falls apart if players you can't force a player to take an extension. Hmm. No. So if they decide, actually, I don't want to take a one-month extension because I might get a horrendous injury in that one month. Hmm, then that's that. And, what, and what, if you've, what, if you've, what if you've already signed a deal in January to go somewhere abroad? Yeah. yeah to start on the 1st of July. Yeah, it's a mess. Um, and the, the, the oh, EFL oh, chairman, Rick Parry... Sorry. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, what if Brighton go, well, if Ben White, if Leeds get promoted, there's more chance of Ben White signing for Leeds, wanting to go to Leeds permanently. So actually, we're going to say you can't extend his loan deal from past the end of the season, normal season, because that means there's less chance of you going up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah makes sense. No, I was just going to say EFL chairman Rick Parry thinks the games may not be played in front of fans until next year. I think that's pretty much a commonly held view yeah. now. Yeah, I think so, at least, yeah. Um, the last bits of news to round off Tuesday um, were probably the most interesting, actually, apart from the Newcastle info. Um, following news of Lockeren's likely bankruptcy over in Belgium earlier in the week, um, now in Wales, Real FC are set to close after 141 years of existence. And they've oh. confirmed that they're in the process of being wound up. In a club statement, they said the decision was taken by the board after, after considering the impact of the suspension of football. Chairman Paul Higginson said that there, this is a very emotional day for everyone connected. We're all fans and feel it deeply. The town has pride in its football history, and I have no doubt a very strong new club will rise. Well, it's very sad to hear if that's the case um, about the, uh, the folding. And, you know, we've, we've all been pretty close to the mark, haven't we, as Albion fans, in, so we can feel yeah. their pain. Um, but if it's actually going ahead, that's, that's tragic for them. Um, yeah. The other bit of news on Tuesday was that the Dutch league looks or at this point looks set to end without a further ball being kicked later in the week this turns out to be uh, confirmed uh, the government had prohibited any action before september anyway at the earliest subject to any further delays so that's uh, that was how that set up later in the well, week as i said yeah, that's that's the, uh, the government to get involved and say no nothing till september yeah because yeah. i think germany have done germany have said that the german government said that they can start the season behind closed doors but they've extended the ban on public gatherings till the end of October already 
Wow. Because Oktoberfest has been canned, yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah. as it were. Not canned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they bottled um, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, as, exactly, if we're going to do that. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah well, I think it's, that, I mean, that's probably, I think we're, we're reaching a stage where that seems to be happening more. And obviously Belgium did it a while ago, didn't they? They were the first yeah, yeah. to... Um, they were only technically one game away from finishing their... Yeah, the regular season, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel a bit sorry in, in Holland. Is it Camber who are top of the second tier? Yeah. They're, 11 point, they're 11 points clear at the top of the second tier. And their coach and, uh, and their chairman have absolutely, obviously, understandably kicked off <laughs> at, the, uh, at the news. Yeah. But, um, well, similarly, Alkmaar, who have only won it twice, whatever the Eredivisie. Yeah, there are, there are three. Are there three tied at the top or something? No, two. Ajax two. and Alkmaar. And that, while Alkmaar were behind on goal difference, so they effectively, for Champions League purposes, won't be, will be second, not first. They okay. apparently have been catching Ajax and won at, won at Ajax in the beginning of March. Is that um, where, um, as an aside, is that where Jahanbash came from? Uh, could be, yeah. I think it was. I think it was, anyway, yeah. That's a slightly yeah. unnecessary aside. But... Yeah, no, that's all right. Well, I'm sticking with the theme, though, as we move into Wednesday. The National League, which is, of course, the National League Prem, National League North and South, voted 90% in favour of ending their season as well. Although no decisions on promotion and relegation have yet been finalised. Obviously, the situation there is that Barrow are four points clear of Harrogate, two clubs that haven't been in the Football League well, in one case, I think at all, the other one for about 50-odd, 60-odd years. Um, Barrow spent a lot of money investing to try and get up. Um, given the situation with the EFL having 91 teams, even if no promotion relegation is, is decided to, to go ahead with, um, should they still allow Barrow to go up, basically, uh, on the lining numbers? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you'd have to have one club coming up. Um, hmm. That would be a good idea to even it up. But from um, there, Harrogate caught up quite a lot recently. Yeah, that's what I say. I mean, would would you just have a would you just have a, a one off playoff between those two? Because hmm. Barrow um, were like ten, twelve points clear at one point, and now they're like, yeah, the same. Yeah. It's been it's been reeled in. So that's why hmm. I say I don't think it's automatic that you would just rubber stamp Barrow going up without yeah, like any Liverpool, sort of conversation. In, effort, in essence, it's I like, think yeah, I think you'd have to have some sort of. Um, there would have to be some kind of whether they whether they did a full playoff. I know the the National League have got a slightly complicated playoff system, don't they? Yeah, they, slightly kind of seeded like seeded affair. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. I don't know whether they'll do whether they would do a full yeah full playoff. But yeah, bottom line is I don't think it's I don't think Barrow are currently further enough ahead to just be rubber stamped as going up. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, we'll see what happens on that. Um, Dale Vince, um, Forest Green Rovers owner, um, he's, he's convinced that the wage caps in League 1 and League 2 would be a popular move if introduced. Um, and he thinks from what he's seen from communications, trafficking between chairman owners and CEOs over the last week or two, that it might have sway as a notion. He thinks 3.6 million uh, as, uh, for League 1 and 2 million for League 2 as annual wage bills respectively would work interesting um not a fan of this at all mm, yeah i'm not, not quite convinced that that will work too well i think it i think it really it basically comes back to whether i mean i'll give you an example obviously from up here sunderland obviously who are a big fish in league one but their mm. wage bill this year is 12.5 million and yeah. that is 
but they are ba- the, as a club they are balancing the books yeah yeah, so I mean, so, you, so I mean, I think it comes back to that kind of financial fair play conversation, which is basically if you can generate, if you can generate enough revenue to justify what you're spending on wages. Hmm. I think otherwise, what do you? Yeah, I just think it's more about being well run rather than the amount of money you're going to spend, because that's yeah. the. Di- I mean, every club it has different circumstances. Every club has different capacities. You know, different amount of commercial income. I th- say, oh, yeah, I think it's more about making sure your club is sustainable at whatever level that is rather than having an arbitrary figure for everyone and we all know how well they they administrate these things anyway i mean financial fair play is appallingly administrated so yeah true and actually and also as we know the fact that you know having a massive wage bill just because you've got a massive wage bill, it doesn't actually equate automatic success i mean again taking the sunderland example they had a 40 million pound wage bill in the championship and went down yeah. Hmm. So I mean, no. it's... just very quickly on the uh, to round off Wednesday and rounding off part one in the process. Um, just to mention, Watford players have agreed wage deferrals, but also Arsenal quartet Granit Xhaka, Alexandre Lacazette, Nicolas Pepe, and David Luiz are in trouble with their clubs after becoming the latest players to find it impossible to resist socialising when expressly told not to do so. They join a gallery of rogues that include Mason Mount, Kyle Walker, and of course Jack. I'll just pop round my friends for a get-together, neck some booze and drive home crashing into several cars, abandon my own vehicle, all of this allegedly, of course, and then issue a half-assed apology under insistence from my club, Grealish. <laughs> we, we all know that, that Grealish is a favourite of the show. Up, up yeah, there, yeah, yeah. Are you a fan, Robin? Um, no, I'm not. No. And I'm just going to keep it at that before I say something yeah. very rude about him. <laughs> well, we're going to have, take a little bit of a break here so I can crack open another beer. I don't know about you guys. That ends part one of the podcast. Join us again after a short interlude where we will be discussing the rest of the week's news. And also, still to come, we'll be talking about what you guys have been doing in lockdown and talking about our latest Teams feature. All that still to come. Stay tuned. Oh, marvellous. Cheers, boys. Just opening another Cheers. tin of the good old stuff. How are you? How are, you are you on the drinks today? No, just as we discussed before, I've not had a, I've not had a lockdown beer yet, which might have contributed to why I've gone slightly insane in the last <laughs> five weeks. But, as you said um, off air, you're, you're going to have a really cheap night out when you go back to going <laughs> out on the town. Yeah, exactly. You? Yeah, exactly. That is the that is the nice trade-off. Sometime in 2024 at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may have um, run out of lockdown beers and then gone on to lockdown rosé instead. <laughs> <laughs> in the garden. It's very, very, you know, football, hooligan, you know. Sort yeah. Of yeah well, I mean, it's football. it's a good, to be fair, a champagne flute used badly could be quite a, a decent weapon. Well, it could be, couldn't it? Yeah, a waste yeah. of champagne as well. <laughs> Obviously, drink it first, but then make use of the flute afterwards. Otherwise, that's a schoolboy error, isn't it? If you don't do yeah. that, you, you've done some research on that, Robin. <laughs> you've done <laughs> that before. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's the drink. It's the drink of choice in uh, in Hartlepool, I'm told. <laughs> yes, oh, delightful, lovely place. Um, well, you are listening to part two of the podcast. We're back. And uh, Robin's pointed out off air one thing we missed from Wednesday, which was about um, potential regionalisation 
of divisions and uh, lower down the EFL rankings. Tell us about that, Robin. Yeah, so this was another snippet that came from the Fleetwood um, chairman who seems to have had quite a lot to say over the last week or so. His idea was that the the impact of coronavirus on, on teams in League One and League Two, as we've discussed, is quite fundamental in terms of financial um, pressures. And his idea is that if you regionalise it, there's a, a twin benefit. Number one is that it obviously it reduces the travel and accommodation costs for, mm. for teams. Uh, and yep. it will also hopefully have the impact of boosting attendances because particularly from away fans, because you'd find that away fans would have a lot less long journeys to make each season. So would potentially be able to afford to go to quite a lot more away games and you know, boost mm. attendances. So I can see the logic of it. Particularly with all the evening games as well. Because there's yeah, a lot of exactly. Travel. You can't always yeah. do that. No, exactly. You can't always go from Sunderland to Plymouth. Yeah, I mean, my personal opinion is I think it would be a bit of a shame if they had to do that because it's it's nice to have that that range of of clubs to go to 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 just travel out a little bit more. Um, I mean, my half of my geography of the UK is based on my earlier years supporting the Albion either knowing or travelling to the games. Oh yeah, 100% from a sort of non-footballing point of view, the fact that you get to, it gives you an excuse to go to lots of places that you wouldn't ordinarily Absolutely. have gone to. So, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, say, I, can see the, I can see the logic of it from a, from a kind of financial point of view, but yeah, not a, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I mean, how, how many pints would you have had in, if you were living still in the south, in Hartlepool and Grimsby, if it wasn't for that? Well, exactly, exactly, in all these places that you I mean, love to go to. <laughs> to be fair, we'd have, we'd have missed out on a couple of, we'd have missed out on big weekend, like all of the, the Newcastle weekends and that kind of thing, which have always been yeah, good fun. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I used quite a few trips to Darlington with a load of mates when I was living in Southampton, a madcap trip. Most of us weren't even fans of either of the clubs either. And we had a weekend away. It was bloody brilliant. I love yeah, that kind of stuff. So yeah, not a not a fan. I say I can see from a sensible point of view, I can see the I can see the um I can see the logic behind it, but mm. no. Yeah. It would be a shame. Anyway, yeah. there we go. Well, on to Thursday's news, shall we? Um it started with Gary Neville saying that Premier League clubs should borrow against future income to help lower league clubs survive. He said the Premier League are the only people who can stop this becoming absolute carnage economically. I'm pleading with somebody at the Premier League to do just to, just to do the right thing for the game. Three hundred million pounds to five hundred million pounds is affordable to them. That's uh, probably going to be debatable. Um, they could give the FA, EFL, and non-leagues the money they need. I'm on calls with League Two chairman, and they are desperate. They can't pay their next wages. The National League is sixty-eight clubs. Who need 15 million between them just to prop up to keep themselves afloat. Um, well, notwithstanding Neville's remarks, the majority of League Two clubs told the EFL that they wish to see the end of the current campaign played out whenever it is safe to yeah, do so. I'm a little bit cynical here. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I doubt very much Gary Neville would have said this when he was playing for Manchester United and winning the Premier League every year. Possibly not. No. Yeah. And I agree, have... but I think I think this is the kind of thing, given that given what's happening everywhere else this is the kind of thing we'd probably want the government to do this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if yeah. they're giving out, you know, if they're going to be giving out bail, bail, potential bailouts to airlines and, you know, other big businesses, mm. yeah. this is much, it's in the same way, isn't it? So um, yeah. I don't, I think it's very difficult because again, the Premier League, they don't know when the broadcasting bubble is going to burst. Mm. I mean, they don't know, they don't know what the next TV deal is going to be worth. So yeah. I mean, you're you're effectively sacrificing a, a chunk of money that I mean, generally when you're 
when you're doing that kind of thing, you know how much revenue you're going to get in the future that you're laying off now. Here, they're do- obviously they're assuming that you know, obviously deals have been growing, haven't they, exponentially? But you can't guarantee that. So yeah. I can see a bit of reticence in the back, Premier League to do it. That's why clubs struggled because they basically been spending money before they got it. Yeah, and, and then they didn't get it. Bust and they didn't get it. So yeah. So I, yeah, I think if this is going to happen, I, I do think I think he's right. Obviously, there is going to have to be a cash injection into the EFL from somewhere. I know the Premier League have already given. They've already given in the millions to the EFL and the National League, haven't they, already? Hmm. Um, I don't know exactly what the figure is, but I just remember it was it in the like millions. It was 50 million, wasn't it? it, was, it was... Yeah, it wasn't insignificant. So they've obviously, they've, they're, not, they're not kind of, you know, turning their back on it and just pulling up the drawbridge. Um, hmm. But yeah, I think, I think the amount of money that Gary Neville is referencing is, um, obviously, the clubs in the Premier League could afford that. Um, but I don't think it's, I think it's the job, given the fact that the government are propping up a lot of other industries and a lot of other workers. As a um, one-off, they probably could afford it. I mean, it's difficult though, because there's a lot of money could be committed. They may not have the free well, play. Exactly. As you said, yeah. everyone bends up to the excess, don't they? Yeah, I mean, money. The ca- exactly. Money that's committed mm. already and, you know, yeah. cash flow, et cetera. I'll, so. I'll that as well. I mean, it, to me, it shouldn't go to teams in the, in the championship with parachute payments, for example. No. Um, but then how is it fair if it's like, you know, a club actually has really lived within their means and been sensible, they wouldn't get the money part of it because they actually are able to survive. But yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's difficult because you can't... The edge. You'd have to, yeah, like you say, it, almost the fairest way is you'd have to give every club the same amount of money, but obviously every club has different circumstances yeah. and, yeah. And actually a it's really fraught with difficulty. Possibly could survive this, you know, and kind of... Or, yeah, I mean... Or, or, yeah. Obviously, you mentioned in the first part, Shrewsbury obviously seem to be not furloughing their staff. So they obviously seem to be fairly well run in that sense. So, yeah, yeah it's so, difficult. I think it's a very difficult challenge. Or, or they've got an owner who's decided on principle that he wants to... They exactly to bail them out himself. He'll stick, you know, like Dick Knight did at Withdean. You know, he kind of obviously lost money each year, but he propped the club up. And then Tony... Yeah. No, kind of, Tony did as well, yeah. Yeah. It's it. difficult. I think it say it's very difficult. It's almost needs it needs to be done on a needs basis almost. But like you say, the needs basis could be that your club's been incredibly badly run for ten years. Mm. Um Yeah. I so mean, I suppose you kind of have to say, should you save I suppose you almost have to say it's you almost have to push that to the side and say, is it do we need to is it more important to save to save these clubs or to kind of punish punish them for previous being yeah, poorly yeah. run but yes yeah oh, difficult. No, I difficult. agree with that but in a way if you were a well-run club I remember all these clubs turning up at with team when we in the championship and we was we paid all our bills we you know, did everything through yeah night or whatever or through basically not having very high very anything and teams like Leicester and Derby turned up having got administration and still paying thousands yeah thousands of pounds a player a week to each player and that sort of thing and kind of yeah well, speaking of badly run clubs, former England captain Wayne Rooney has said he's not in to quote a wage war with Derby, according to a. Oops, hello. What's going on there? Oh, just plug in my headphones because I got. Someone's disappeared. <laughs> we're, we're watching on Zoom, and Robin just went out of frame. Incidentally, when Raymond was on the podcast last week, he did a delightful, uh, a delightful take on video calling, where his face went out of frame gradually as the call went on. 
So we were eventually just left with his teeth, and um, which was oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was quite stylish. Anyway, um, Wayne Rooney said he's not in a wage war with Derby, according to a spokesperson who said claims that Wayne is in a wage war with his clubs are both misleading and unhelpful. As is the case with most clubs, talks are taking place at Derby on a variety of proposals. As part of the discussions, it's right that Wayne, as club captain, is at the forefront. forefront. Should he be approached by the club, he would have no hesitation in doing so whatsoever. Um, and last, but overwhelmingly, but not least, for Thursday's news, um, was the latest and the long-going line of, com of commendable actions by those associated with the Albion. Yes, we finally have some Albion news to talk about. Um, during the crisis... Uh, that's beset the globe. Albion have, well, have led the way really as much as anybody. And as reported in the Argus this week, Albion players have teamed up to make a substantial six-figure donation to kick off a new fund for local charities. The first team squad made the collective gesture to launch the Albion as One Fund, donating a significant portion of their April wages. Their initial amount has been further boosted by a donation from Chairman Tony Bloom and his fellow directors. Proceeds from the funds, which will also be opened up to staff and fans who may wish to donate, will be distributed to a combination of local charities and good causes who have seen their own fundraising efforts become more difficult during the COVID-19 crisis. So obviously focusing on anybody who's now missing out as a result of the donations being channeled to the NHS specifically. So yeah. again, another commendable and... Yeah, oh, and I think... Um, it's worth it's worth giving a, a particular pat on the back to uh, Glenn Murray and Lewis Dunk, who were the two. Yeah, who, um, yeah, who were kind of pioneered it, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which was um, which was great to see. Uh, Peter, your view on that? Yeah, all yeah, all good first stuff. Yeah, no question. Very good. Um, mm. And yeah, I think it's, they're the two pretty the right people as well. That between and they've been a club for a long time. In Murray's case, obviously over two periods, and yeah, an elder statesman in terms of like time at the club, and yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. well, there was some good, sort of some big news on Friday as well. Gary Hoffman was announced as the new chairman of the Premier League. He's an investment banker, boo, but also a Coventry City fan, proper proper football fan, hooray. <laughs> he will take over from interim chairman, um, chairperson, I should say, uh, Claudia Arney on June the 1st, following his being voted in unanimously at a teleconference meeting. He said, the football can be central to my life as a fan, an administrator and my business career. Everything in football coming is coming together to support one another through COVID-19 pandemic. I'm convinced the spirit of togetherness will help the game we cherish endure long into the future. Um, don't know much about Hoffman, but um, apparently his credentials are good. Last longer than the last guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> a very difficult time to be coming in, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Literally into the, middle of a, into the middle of a once in a century event <laughs> yeah it's a wait and see situation anyway yeah um, i say I've, I've never heard of him to be honest um, no, no. um but, but I, I guess his coventry city allegiance might might be good in as much as you'll have an understanding of the perspectives up and down the leagues not just of the premier league itself which maybe yeah maybe awful i guess um meantime the fuss around the newcastle takeover was continuing on friday chair of the all-party group on football and the labor mp clive betts says that the government need to be involved Bet said Saudi Arabia's alleged involvement in, with pirate broadcaster and illegal streamer uh, B Out Q, see what they did there with BN Sports, yeah. B Out Q, warrants a full inquiry. He said the B Out Q issue should be a priority for regulatory scrutiny regarding Newcastle's takeover. And he's urged the government to get involved and not sit on the bench as the Premier League embark 
on their owners and directors test. Well, we talked on this a little bit earlier on, but any further words to add on that, boys? Um, I think it might be the bigger thing for the for football. It shouldn't be. Yeah. It might well be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, the Premier League will never really get, get involved from a humanitarian point of view, but as soon as their bottom line starts to be threatened, then their, yeah. their ears start to prick up. So, Oh, you are cynical, Robin. <laughs> and completely spot on. Some sort of way of fudging it, whatever, because they always do. I mean, yeah. yeah I say, I still, think if, I still think if I had to put a bet on it, I would bet on it going through. Yeah. When you have um, a 300 billion pounds or something like that, or... The Saudis are apparently they're kind of that's the sort of money that they're oh yeah like this is their pretty the weird thing was though as a slight aside there was the thing that actually they're buying it for three hundred million but Mike Ashley's lending them one hundred and fifty million or something yeah it's it's really weird all that yeah it's a very weird something Hmm. yeah it's obviously slightly slightly strange but yeah I mean I think it will go through we've seen the other. Go on. I, sp- I suppose the other point is that again that actually just being taken over by someone with an incredible amount of money doesn't guarantee success. Yeah. I mean, we look at Fulham, who were taken over. You know, Fulham's owner is a multi-multi billionaire, and he managed to put together one of the Premier League's worst ever defences. And a lot <laughs> of money as well. <laughs> yeah, like a hundred plus. Yeah, exactly. A lot of money in general on that squad, but. Um, and actually, I've said this to a Newcastle friend of mine on WhatsApp that actually, if there's any club that's capable of cocking up a multi-million pound takeover and it going incredibly wrong it's probably them well i mean they, if they could if they want to sign if they get 400 million transfer window they can buy then 10 joe linton's and that will go down well yeah exactly <laughs> they'll probably spend they'll probably spend the entire amount of money on uh, on someone who will yeah exactly be a massive goal season or something. yeah Oxford in the, in the anyway yeah no that's no no further thoughts beyond that really I was just going to say, I've, I've been missing seeing the likes of Joel Linton play this season. So have Newcastle uh, for the whole of the season. <laughs> anyway, um, FIFA have released £120 million funding to national associations experiencing financial difficulties in shutdown, amid the shutdown. Each of the FIFA's, uh, FIFA's 211 national associations are to receive a minimum of 400000 over the coming days. FIFA president Gianfranco Infantino described the move as a first step the release of plans to assist associations. He said the pandemic has created unprecedented challenges and it's our duty to support and be there. Um, sticking on a FIFA theme, former FIFA vice, I think it was one of the vice executives or whatever they call it, uh, Jack Warner, one of the most detestable men in football, or no longer in football, that, thankfully. Yes, exactly. I know, that's something. Yeah. Um, well, he, he's to contest, of course he is, the corruption charges initiated by the USA in the highest overseas court, which is in London, Privy Council. And the contemptible former FIFA vice president, Warner, denies um, accepting well, $5 million of bribes in the votes for the hosting of the 2018 World Cup, you'll remember. The 77-year-old now lives in Trinidad and Tobago, where he is fighting extradition to the USA. I wish him sincerely the very, very worst of luck in that fight. Um, well, prosecutors in the USA allege Warner has been involved in criminal corrupt practices for over two decades. He is a contemptible man. There's plenty more besides that we won't bother getting into here. Um, he's an obnoxious, um, rather rather a contemptible man in, in, in several different ways, regardless of I'm any... I'm a big fan, Russ. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of this. No, he's on the green. Yeah, I, I, sense, I sense that you're sitting on the fence here, and I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I, I've been an advocate of of getting rid of uh, the whole hierarchy of FIFA from those bad days for a long time. 
Oh yeah, it's totally. I mean, there's just there's eye-watering amounts of money floating yeah. around that and just doesn't these, need to. Long before these World Cup did farces, it was clearly a problem. Oh, but, got, Qatar especially got the F World Cup for their long football history and uh, not exactly. Oh yeah, exactly. And rich heritage they already had. It's nothing to yeah. do with me. Yeah, and you know, it's not it's not like they're making it's not like they're making the whole World Cup change its entire schedule, is it? Yeah. I mean they're they're, well, they're no, being very easy to accommodate. Well they've got <laughs> to work on on virtually no pay in making them with no health and safety to build stadiums that they should have had already probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so No, I think it's a, it's a it's another kind of it's another sad story that detracts from from what football should be, yeah. isn't it? Really? Yeah. What really angers me about that is Australia have <laughs> I mean, qualified for the last few World Cups, never had it before, and yet the reason they gave it to Qatar was because they'd never had it before. And it's like there's a country who has got like quite a building, quite a big football base, has got a lot of players in Europe, could have hosted it in June, July, probably they found a way. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, exactly, it's their winter, isn't it? So, yeah. so been yeah. fine. It made it. It was such an obvious answer, but because they didn't have the money to bribe. Allegedly. And obviously, yeah, got, they've got all the stadiums. I mean, they've got stadiums now. Obviously, I don't know, they use they use a lot of cricket and uh, rugby stadiums. But you know, they've got the they've yeah. got the stadia there to do it. Yeah. Obviously, mm. the travel infrastructure is all there already. Accommodation, all the other stuff that you'd need. Obviously, yeah. you know, they've hosted multiple rugby World Cups, so they've done. They've got form, and obviously, Olymp- they've done the Olympics, haven't they? So yeah, so yeah, everything was there. It was such an obvious answer out the out of the options. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And obviously, yeah, so they didn't take it. Yeah, standard. Absolute disgrace. I mean, they've been a disgrace for a long time. I've been a long-term dissenter of FIFA. And um, I mean, hopefully we're in a new era, but we'll, we'll, I'm, I remain cynical to the degree, I, just, I yeah. have to say. Um, anyway, other news. Again, yeah. keeping on an international theme, Phil Neville, whose contract expires in a year. Um, he's set to leave at the end of that contract. It won't be renewed. Um, due to the rescheduling of things with the pandemic, he is going to leave according to plan. I sense that things have gone downhill there pretty much for them, and um, I mean, they're not getting the results. Yeah, the initial World Cup, they all lost their way a bit, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if he lost his waistcoat, maybe. Did he, did he lose his waistcoat? People know he's an expert on, yeah, this is not my, this is not my sphere of interest, but um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. From following it, they obviously peaked very. They obviously peaked at the World Cup. Um, what getting to the semi-final? They yeah. lost in the semi-final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you look at their recent results since then, in various different matches and competitions, it seems to have um, seems to have dipped somewhat. Um, and yeah, it's um, hmm. yeah probably time for a change. I don't know. Uh, it was always there were always a lot of people that thought it was a bit of an odd appointment in the first place. Obviously, it's great for the women's game to get someone of Phil Neville's standing in the men's game, but um, it seemed a bit of an odd one. Wasn't um, Albion at one point? One of our he was he's been linked with the Albion a couple of times. Uh, he was actually linked with the Albion bef- during the most recent um, when obviously when Graham Potter got the job. He was at one point. Obviously, the bookies are. The manager markets for betting moves very quickly, and yeah. it doesn't take very much for someone to get capitulated towards the top of the odds. But yeah, he was um, he was towards the top of the odds uh, for this, and before I think it was when Chris Hewton was going to get the job. Yeah, um, right. yeah, he was yeah. he was um, he was towards the top of the betting for that as well. And I think he's he's made some comments before about being interviewed or 
Yeah, um, I believe so. Yeah, something. I'm but yeah, glad to be honest, yeah, I'm I very glad that he yeah, isn't being I don't rate him but. really. I mean, he did have an initially good flourish with with the England women's team. It must be said, but it's certainly gone downhill. Um, but to be fair, weren't they? Wasn't he coming in again? Not being my specialist subject, but they had done pretty well at the previous World Cup, hadn't they? So I mean, it wasn't like he was coming in from a totally low base. No, that's true as well. Yeah, we were on the, the yeah the the bottom, and then suddenly he brought us up from nowhere. I think he did what was expected at the World Cup, probably in semi-final terms. And then mm. is that what they and they got to the didn't they they got to the semi-finals the World Cup before, didn't they? I think yeah. is that when they lost to the own goal. Yeah, I think yeah, they, something. So like yeah, that. so I mean, he's not. I'm not detracting from what from the job that he did, but it's, I say it's it's framed in the context of he's not really moved it on. Yeah. You know, mm. if he'd have come in and won the World Cup, you know, comfortably, yeah. um, that would be a different yeah. conversation. Not even but at all. Seemingly. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Well, um, another news on Friday, Luton parted company with the second guy called Jones uh, on their books in recent times, Graham Jones. He's left the yeah. club with immediate effect um, after almost one year in charge. The assistant manager plus first team coach and goalkeeping coach have also all left. The decision is due to the precarious financial situation the club is edging towards. Um, another ominous sign there. Um, yeah. Swansea. Um, they've, they've agreed 20% deferrals for three months, uh, the players, that is, while their, while their um, divisional and Welsh rivals, Cardiff, have reached a similar agreement, voluntary agreement, for the same period. An investigation by Deloitte into Dundee's missing a wayward vote on the proposal to end the lower tiers seasons in Scotland found no wrongdoing, um, but Rangers are not happy with that investigation and are requesting a new inquiry and I think a new vote as well. Um, then we have the news uh, which we alluded to earlier in this. Because my understanding is that the Premiership is not changed yet. It's not actually announced anything yet. Yeah, so I'm not quite sure what their issue is yeah. with that. I suppose ongoing potential connotations. Well, do, Rangers think, do Rangers think they're going to catch Celtic then? Yeah, um, Seems they, a bit they unlikely. People that, yeah. yeah, I agree. Whether it's Seems a bit unlikely. Yeah, it seems very unlikely, but we'll, we'll see. Well, anyway, we mentioned earlier in the pod um, about the Dutch FA um, talking about closing their season. Well, they did on Friday confirm the end of the Eredivisie season with immediate effect, with no promotion or relegation being applied. That's now being confirmed as well. This follows the Dutch government's decision to end the ban, um, or sorry, to extend the ban on major public events until September the 1st. Um, no surprise there because the rumours were already around. It does make it interesting in terms of the balance of what clubs are doing, uh, countries are doing. Belgium and Holland have pulled. Scotland look like they're going that way completely. Um, possibly other countries will follow suit. Um, it's going to cause a bit of an issue when FIFA, uh, sorry, when uh, UEFA are saying that clubs that end their season now won't be qualifiable for the next Champions League. Interesting stuff. Um, yeah, it's very it's difficult. Well at the moment, if you've got one or two leagues shutting off. Yeah, if everyone does it, they're not going to have a competition, are they? Yeah, <laughs> if everyone does it. Well, I mean, let's say you know, if if, Belg- if Belgium, you know, if Belgium, Holland, the the UK, Spain, France, Italy did it, all did it. Yeah. Then you basically you'd be left with the German you'd be left with the German clubs effectively. Mm. Are you seriously suggesting if they're suggesting they're not going to let Ajax enter next season? I find that very hard to believe. Doesn't yeah. sound really. One of the biggest clubs in European football history are going to be yeah. far from entering during after some, what, basically because they were told they couldn't play in front of fans at least September. Yeah, it's madness. It I mean, be to be harsh. honest, yeah, it harsh. would be very harsh. <laughs> it would be very, very harsh. Yeah. Anyway. Well, 
I mean, the, the, one other bit of news from Friday, I hadn't been aware of this, but apparently Dominic Matteo um, received the all clear following treatment for a brain tumour. Um, he yeah. said, we tweeted on Friday, yesterday I got the phone call, one I've been praying for. My brain scan is all clear after six months of fear, pain, rehab, surgery, and treatment, I'm healthy. It feels unreal. The LGI and St. James Hospital saved my life. They were simply incredible. Thank, uh, thank you. You will, or thank you will never be enough. So I wasn't aware he was ill, but I'm very glad he's. Yeah, uh, he was. I think uh, I remember reading about it around just before Christmas. I think um, hmm. about yeah, about how unwell, about how unwell he was. So yeah, obviously, see great news. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving on to Saturday, um, just quickly for the, into the weekend's news. Um, Ed Woodward has said that the pandemic is likely to severely affect Manchester United's transfer activity in the next window. He said anybody that is thinking otherwise is delusional. And um, Albion Chief Executive Paul Barber, or Phil Barber, as Sky Sports News caption had it, has said that the club are preparing to start playing again in June. Barber said that, that um, no schedule has been agreed with the Premier League, um, but the players, oh, I lost my notes, um, but the players um, need four weeks to return to match fitness. Um, so on that matter, I mean, again, Barb's is in the uh, public eye as usual, isn't he? <laughs> he seems to be well, everywhere. Well, I say um, Graham Potter today has slightly contradicted that. So oh, right, right. What's he said? He said today that he he's not convinced that the season can start even behind closed doors whilst there's still social distancing going on yeah and he's raised the point again if you've got you know you've you've got 22 players on the pitch you've got a situation where there's a corner you've got 20 Mm. of them bunched together in the in the penalty box yeah that's true yeah ridiculous pre-lockdown when they played at wolves and they all didn't shake hands but they'd all kind of push each other and shove each other. Yeah, you'd be kind of grappling each other yeah. and all of that. There were no goal <laughs> celebrations. That wasn't an issue. But it was like, at the end, they were all kind of like shaking hands and all that sort of thing. And it's like, well... And surely, again, it would only really... You'd have to basically test everyone on every team before yeah. every game. Can yeah. I ask the Ed Woodward thing? Does that mean Man used offer of £60 million for Lacardia is like being cancelled then? <laughs> yeah, I know. Got it. It was it was on the verge, it. wasn't it? That one. Yeah. <laughs> um, pulled out. I thought United were going to get it for that sixty million pounds. But I know. So well, the Germans seem to have got their their act together. It looks like they're going to be trying to get the season started early next month. Um, South Korea's K League is set to resume on May the eighth as well. So two nations that seem to have managed the virus rather well as far as things go. Um, it'll be interesting to see, won't it? Sorry, Peter, go on. We can watch TV, football on TV, like Bundesliga on TV or something. Yeah, yeah, we can, we, at least we can watch something. That'll be <laughs> yeah. Um, the other bit of news was, well, apart from what you've just mentioned about Potter, was uh, Newcastle and Norwich remain the only clubs still currently um, using the furlough scheme they initiated for their staff. Norwich have defended their stance. Chief Operating Officer Ken, Ben Kensel, sorry, says that the decision was made in the best interests of club and staff. That's all he said. Not really saying much. I mean, it's more than Newcastle who said nothing. Did I read somewhere that they said that they were the best owners of, in the league or something like that? Yeah, no, they said they, they said we've got the best owners and that's a fact, which obviously <laughs> isn't. They, they need to read I'm a couple sorry. of words facts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just found it bizarre. I mean, it wasn't like we've got very good owners, you know, etc. It was like, that's a fact. It's like... Yeah, I mean, whenever no. anybody emphasises the fact is a fact, 
they're, they're always it's generally not, not well yeah. one yeah they sound like an idiot and two it's yeah. generally not actually a fact particularly in social media when the newcastle takeover first came up i saw an article basically comparing the relative wealth of all the different owners basically saying that newcastle's new owners would have like about it looked about 10 times more than everyone else put together almost you know it's like really yeah different. and norwich were the bottom of the list they were like the lowest which explains obviously their transfer policy and, and to yeah. be honest, surely if they had the best owners in the world, they wouldn't be furloughing anyone. The owners would actually be paying for them out exactly. of their own pocket, wouldn't they? Like some other clubs we could mention. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they'll come out and say, let's be furloughing you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. Nice, there it is. <laughs> well, um, we alluded to it a little bit earlier on. I think Robin knows the answer. Probably Peter does as well. Um, we listed a, a, a load of uh, miscreants in terms of the lockdown. Mason Mount, Kyle Walker, the Arsenal boys, Jack Grealish and many more besides as well, lower down the ranks. And we've had a new addition to the ranks though, haven't we? Would you care to uh, enlighten us, Robin? This is uh, Mr. Keane from Everton, it is. isn't it? Moist Who Keane, has followed yeah. the, uh, he has followed the Kyle Walker school of, uh, <laughs> and, of lockdown. <laughs> yeah, he's breaking the party, lockdown. Apparently, yeah, it? he's had a big, a big part. And again, only really found out because all the people there put it on their own social media. Yeah. Which is the obvious go-to really thing to do, stupid, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> party at Premier League footballers' house, yay! <laughs> and to be honest, it's not. I mean, what's I getting into the head of them? What's the best that he expected to happen from that? Because yeah. everyone else is stuck at home, not being able to go out, and ninety-nine point nine percent of people don't have his amount of money in the bank. So yeah. what, like, what, I don't understand that. What angle is he playing for that people are going to go? Brilliant! At least someone's <laughs> having, at least someone's having a good time. If it's not me, I yeah, don't, I don't get the having more fun, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I don't really get. I don't, so I don't really get the angle on it. To be no, honest, hmm. I, don't, there is, I mean, I'm not sure there is. I mean, he's like 21, isn't he? He's probably he's, yeah, exactly. But anyway, yeah. a new a new segment of the show. You know, more on of the week during. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I say, you're right, he won't be the last, that's the thing. No, there's um, plenty of material, isn't there? I, I mean, I still think Jack Grealish is top of the list. Yeah. Kyle Walker just seemed to be, yeah, he just seemed to, you can imagine him just sort of laughing it off, can't you? Yeah. Um, still should know. have got sent off in the FA Cup semi-final. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bastard. Uh, what, I, what I'm hoping to see in the next week, apart from no more morons, is... Um, Somebody who's a football. We talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we want lots of more. We, we need content. Well, we're to we're up. <laughs> we have nothing to moan about, would we? <laughs> no, what I'm hoping to see is a footballer who doesn't have um, shiny grey and grey and black um, interior decorating, because it seems like that's the go-to thing. You have to have that um, if you if you are a footballer. Yeah, living, it seems bizarre, doesn't it? Living in this country, it seems seems compulsory. I mean, I don't know if they've all got the same. The only, the only thing I, that I'm a bit sad about is that we don't have Mario Balotelli living in the UK at the moment because that would just be <laughs> <Could you imagine? laughs> just box office. <laughs> Two fireworks out there, literally. Yeah, they'll yeah. be like. We could yeah, just have Mario a... Balotelli would be like driving around Manchester, giving out like gold face masks or something. <laughs> we we could just have a Balotelli of the week, couldn't we? That could be a segment. yeah. Yeah. Well, just anyway. briefly on a couple of other things before we end part two, um, just a bit of um, information. Brighton Rock Podcast has passed the first 500 downloads, so Yay! we're very pleased to see people listening in in reasonably good numbers, I think, for what is essentially quite a, a low-profile show, really. Um, the one big issue we've got is that when you do searches for Brighton and Albion 
on the on the main forums just typing in those words we don't come up so to get that, that number just from effectively word of mouth and links is fantastic so thank you to yeah, everyone for well listening well, there's one person really obsessed with the show yes it might just be one person who's got multiple devices who's downloading yeah. Could be, yeah, yeah. Um, Don't take the numbers. <laughs> Definitely. Um, we've also had some Seagulls Over London forums in the last week or so, which has been great. Um, we've, apart from having Paul Barber beforehand, we've had um, Dan Ashworth and Graham Potter Friday last week. And this week on Monday, we had Steve Sibwell and Bobby Zamora. It's been brilliant. Uh, really good initiatives. There's been other similar ones going on up and down the country for other supporter groups. Our ones, I think, have been connected with Mid, I think it's Mid Sussex Seagulls, and um, I think there's some US guys Seagulls on it, weren't there as well? Yeah, US or Canada or something. I yeah, yeah. There. I think so that's been interesting. Yep, yeah. and um, also the other current fad is for football themed films. Um, that's been talked about on a number of other podcasts. So I'm going to ask you guys in part three for your uh, your favourites and least favourites on that score. Um, but in other matters, what have you guys been doing this week? Books, TV. Games, walking um, dog, going on. I have picked up a hobby that I haven't done for a few years, which is I am writing a screenplay at the moment. Oh, you told me about this, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is again that's something I've I've done off and on for a few years, mainly just for just as a bit of a a hobby, yeah. really. I'm not expecting Netflix or Hollywood <laughs> to be beating the door down, but if they are, I might be doing a future episode from the Bahamas or somewhere. But um, <laughs> no, just on TV all over the place. Yeah, no, it's just a say it. So it's a kind of um, just a something I dip in and out of, and just having a bit, obviously, just having a bit more time to be able to um, dedicate to it. Brilliant, Peter. Uh, probably too much eating and drinking, and <laughs> uh, watching TV, watching playing a bit of FIFA, which I probably shouldn't do so much. But yeah, all right, yeah. Well, I've been catching up with um, some old TV series like the the Bodyguard, Line of Duty that sort of stuff. And I know, Robin, in terms of new things, you've been a massive fan of Afterlife, new series of that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I was a huge you fan of it. it ready. Yeah, Blitz at the Day It Came Out. Um, Thumbs up, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm four it's, episodes um, in already. I thought it was great. Really, really, it was really, really good. good. If anyone doesn't know, it's on Netflix. It's Ricky Gervais. It's a poignant tale of a guy who's lost his wife. It's cancer and how he deals with it, isn't it? But it's funny and Yeah, poignant. absolutely. It's, it's just said to you off-air, Russ, earlier, I'd say I'd He's he's an absolute master when it comes to towing the very fine line between genuine comedy and yeah. a subject and a you know and genuine kind of sadness and grief, and he mm. he's kind of managed to encapsulate everything about grief and how you feel and how you cope with it. Um, just yeah, brilliant in my opinion. Yeah, good stuff. Well, there it is. That's the end of part two. We're going to take another short break probably so I can serve myself another beer amongst other things and we will see you again shortly stay tuned so welcome back to part three of Brighton Rock episode 29 with me Pete and Robin we're all back and raring to go for another section um having had beer breaks or whatever we've been doing um did you have a beer guys Still, still being good. I'm still in the wine. Wine, yeah. yeah. No, haven't, hadn't had, a, haven't had a refreshment yet. I'm doing, having the rarity of a party call later on with uh, some mates at eight. So uh, I'm going to be on the wines then as well. Mixing my drinks. Oh dear. Anyway, um, we were talking in the last part about the current fad for football themed films. Um, do you guys have any memories of any good 
or good experiences of watching films on a football theme. I mean, documentaries, there's a lot of good ones. Yeah, documentary I was going to mention was the the Maradona one I watched recently for the first time was very good. in terms of films, I enjoyed The Damned United a few I would years say ago. That's by far the best person. I think. It, yeah, I thought that was fictional about the Brighton stuff. It didn't look like it. Yeah, I think there was a bit of artistic license yeah. in there, but yeah, certainly. Um, it was so. Well I think. Bri- I mean, Brian Clough is just—he's uh, just a natural person to make a film about, isn't yeah. he? Cause, I mean, he's—he's he's a character, was a character, and so many. Michael Sheen wasn't it? He was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he yeah, was brilliant. Really Michael Sheen was absolutely great, yeah. but obviously there was some fairly. I think Jim Broadbent was in it as well, wasn't he? So yeah, yeah, that's right. Big. Yeah. Very big Timothy character. Spall. Very... Timothy yeah, Timothy well. Spall played the played uh, Peter Taylor, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Jim Broadbent, the Derby chairman. Yeah, he was the Derby chairman, wasn't yeah. he? I think Jim Broadbent in it. So yeah, I mean yeah, that was a good one. Film. The only yeah, it was very though, very good. It seemed seemed to give the impression that he signed for Albion Clough and then didn't yeah. actually have that season. Yeah, one, seemed... of, one of my friends from work messaged me the other day, and he, I was like, he said how much he liked it, and I was like. Yeah, and Brighton got a mention. I was like, yeah, it looked like he didn't actually uh, manage Brighton, although mm. it glossed over the fact that we lost 8-2 to Bristol Rovers while he was in charge. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I you mean, could... it was, it was, um, it was, it, I think, I don't know if it won BAFTA, but it was BAFTA nominated, wasn't it? I think um, so, yeah. But it, commercially, it did very badly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's funny, isn't it? Because we're obviously going on to the second part of the show, we're, or last part of the show, we're going on to people, players who've done well after and before playing for Albion. Clough must be both for a manager, most mm, yeah. pre and post managing Albion. I mean, it was a ridiculous coup to get him. Yeah, yeah. it really was. Yeah, we were in the third division, and we had the, the manager who just won the league with Derby, basically not that long. Ago. I know it's ridiculous, isn't it? Got really, when you think about it. Or semi final with with Derby as well. Yeah, it's totally that's, bizarre. That's right. I mean, it was it um, was an incredible coup. Yeah. Um, and in, in terms of ones that I hate, um, there's quite a lot. I mean, all of all of the goal franchise, to be honest. Yeah, uh, have you seen those ones? Dreadful. Mm, no, no. Just like so contrived. I mean, they're kind of just contrived nonsense, mm. really. Um, yeah, probably, it's a pretty good film, football film. Yeah, Phoebe, it's a good one. Um, obviously, there's been a few that have tried to do the kind of football hooligan angle yeah. to it. Green was Street, I wasn't a fan of. Um, just the kind of the American, you know, bringing the American over seemed to be a bit of a, again, a slightly kind of contrived way of doing yeah. it. I quite, bizarrely, I quite enjoyed Football Factory mm-hmm. from the kind of early 2000s, early mid 2000s, because that was the one that was kind of, it seemed to be a bit more of a genuine um, attempt just to glorify something that obviously shouldn't really be glorified. But um, yeah. yeah. In non hooligan but- films, I suppose. The way films are normally, you know, in the sense that something amazing happens, probably would put off most football fans because it's not yeah. realistic and it's like... Yeah, like, exactly. That's why they've tried to do goal. You know, goal was the kind of... They tried to make it in the typical kind of Hollywood style, you know, yeah. the, you know the, the kind of the, the aspiration towards a goal, you know, literally a goal. You know, would he, wouldn't he make it, etc. And you think the problem is that that's intrinsically, as a football fan, you, the whole point is that, you don't know what's going to happen and you don't really want these stories that are so predictable because that's the antithesis of what the game's about, isn't it, really? Yeah. And, I mean, there's been um, a lot of talk on, uh, as I said, on other football podcasts about football films. And one of them got mentioned, I think it's called A Shot at Freedom or something like that. It's or Shot at Glory. It's uh, Ali McCoy starring and apparently right. doing quite well in a film with Robert Duvall who's putting on a ropey Scottish accent, not so good. Uh, but apparently Ali McCoyst is actually not bad, oh, right. isn't it? Yeah. The other one is um, Finding Eric. 
It's quite a good yeah. one. Is it Finding yeah. Eric? Uh, looking, for, uh, looking for Eric, isn't it? For Eric, find... isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Cantwell is one of a number of actors now, isn't he? Former footballers who are actors. Um, yeah. He's a couple of things. Elizabeth and uh, a few other things. Yeah. And uh, adverts, of course. But yeah, that, that was not bad, actually. Uh, looking for Eric was a good film. Yeah, Decent, quite a good one. I can't remember the name of the guy. He's a good actor, the other guy as well. Um, there's been some good ones out there. Maybe we'll talk about this in more expansive detail another yeah. time. But um, in terms of podcasts, I mentioned earlier, do you, what, what other football podcasts do you guys listen to, if any? Um, I listen, well, I'm not, I gen, de, tend to listen to more podcasts when I'm in the car driving to and from work, which obviously at the moment is, mm. is not <laughs> happening. So I tend to listen to the, the Five Live Daily podcast, um, yeah. Football Daily, which is quite good. European yeah. football show occasionally as well. Mm. Um, just because I tend, it's something that you kind of, they cover it in such detail that it gives you a good, good kind of grounding of what's going on. I listened, I was listening to the Guardian one for a while. James Richardson was oh, right, yeah, not yeah. sure if he still is. Um, yeah, they've, not, they've now got the Football Ramble. I think he's, he's on that, which is a yeah. daily. There's different people. Was, presenting yeah, I was listening to that for a while, but yeah, I, I kind of dropped mm. out of that. Yeah. I think that's quite good if it's the same one, from Ramble. They've also got Jules Breach, who's a Brighton fan and BT yeah. presenter. Uh, she's yeah. on a regular Tuesday slot with Andy Brassel, oh, right. who's there familiar face yeah, from one of them, world yeah. football, European football. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's a few other good ones. I mean, I've got, I've got tons of them. I listen to On the Left Side, which is a nine-minute comedy, sort of sarcastic take on the week's news, football news. That's really funny. His, his pronunciations of football players are, are universally awful. But apart from that, it's really good fun. Um, so that's decent. The World Football Phone-In is good with yeah. Tim Hickory and Tosin Adebayo and um, all the Albion ones. Um Peter, do you, what do you listen? Do you listen? You don't listen to many. Do you? Not an awful lot, no. To be honest, mm. um, obviously I listen to this one sometimes. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's downloaded four hundred ninety-eight every <laughs> times. <laughs> Trust me, I haven't. My voice is awful on this. It's like kind of, it's like completely different to what I actually think it sounds like. But yeah. I'd, I'd... I'd say nobody likes the sound of their own voice, but yeah. there's actually a few exceptions in the media I could probably think of to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> apart from but that, I think quite uh, a lot to be honest in the media. Quite <laughs> <laughs> a few, yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, pieces of some of the ones you mentioned, but nothing like I tend to like, yeah, read more when I'm on the like train that sort mm. of thing rather than yeah. yeah. Well, one one thing has come up recently as well. I've noticed, I and mean, there's a couple of new Albion ones as well. And there's a guy who's doing some uh, Desert Island disc style interviews with players and managers and that sort of thing. Um, but there is also the Albion itself has released a podcast section to their uh, their output called My Albion which has just got a load of audio interviews um, with someone, presumably a club employee interviewing. He's very good as well, interviewing yeah. various people. I don't know if you've called that. They've had I saw Robert. one with I saw one with Orlandi the other day. Yeah, I think that might uh, be... Because they were talking about the Forest game. That's why, obviously, I followed... Peter and I were talking off air about where to... I watched the, you know, the 15-minute highlights of, yeah, yeah. of the Forest I game, and I saw off the back of that. If anyone listening has not seen Albin's YouTube channel, they're doing some really good stuff at the moment. All the all the fifteen years bits, um, maybe yeah. not as long as they were on the the, the DVD. But, DVD, yeah. But still, really kind of like fifteen twenty minutes per season and fifteen twenty minutes of big matches. There's some really good stuff going on there. Yeah, there is. Really mm, good. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good output there now, isn't there? It's, it it's, it's good awesome. to see. It definitely yeah. might be during the work day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm texting <laughs> fifteen minutes away from work and definitely haven't watched them. Yeah. 
Well, I think I, don't, I think the Orlando one is on um, Matt Jackson's podcast. Um, I forgot the name of it at the moment, but that that's online as well. But my Albion has had um, really interesting interviews with um, Ben Roberts, Mickey Adams, um, who else has he had? Adam Virgo, um, and there's a couple of others from earlier on as well, which were were pretty interesting. Um, had one on YouTube the other day as well, so I'm assuming they're using the same content. Yeah, it might be. Oh, clip. Alex Ravel. Yeah. Alex Ravel was yeah, one. They, they had a uh, well. yeah. Yeah, and Jake Robinson. Some, on, some for YouTube yeah. and some for podcasts. And, yeah. yeah. Jake Robinson's the other one. But they all they all came across really well. It's, it's very interesting listening, actually. Oh, so, right. yeah, I recommend that. But of course, the, the real place to be is the Brighton Rock podcast. Obviously, Stay tuned, absolutely. guys. <laughs> um, anyway, just just on another note, um, have you discovered anything new as a result of lockdown? Learning, um, I don't know, sort of learning aids, new hobbies, apart from your script writing, Robin, uh, exercise regimes, healthy disregard for your fellow householders. What, what, what have you guys? I've discovered you can get bored of quizzes quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine so. Anyone done puzzles yet? That's that's uh, for the long haul. Isn't just it? ordered one. It's like so. I think probably I'll start doing puzzles. <laughs> I've been doing I've been doing jigsaw puzzles with my four year old, but they tend to only have about a dozen pieces in. So. Challenging thing for you, Ren Robin. The... Yeah, exactly. It's, we're there for hours. I belong. <laughs> yeah, and the problem is that it's all it, it's there's like a Gruffalo puzzle that we've probably put together about 250 times so i now have to try and pretend that i can't do it in like 30 seconds if i was on the clock <laughs> oh dear anyway. well when you finish with that send it over to me i'll probably struggle with it for a while yeah yeah um anyway the, the main business of part three is the bit coming up now more albion stuff we are going to do our latest in a sequence of selections to do with players past and present in this case we're looking at players who have made their name before the Albion or after the Albion and who have subsequently had a cameo role, should we say, in, in their time with us in the Stripes. Um, guys, what, I don't know if we want to do this. I guess we can, we can add loan or permanence in, into the equation. Yeah. Um, I what we agreed offline was someone like Gareth Barry doesn't count because they never actually played for Albion. <laughs> yeah, um, got to have, got to at least have played. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're looking at, well, should we have a look at those that have made their name um, before the Albion or yeah, after? Yeah, absolutely, before, five. before. So before the Albion, there's obviously, we're talking about people who've, who've come here for a, a pension package, and we pretty much. Um, yeah. There's some outstanding names in there. There's two or three very obvious ones. Do you guys want to get the ball rolling with the obvious, the V one? Yeah, I mean, I've, as, you'll be unsurprised to know that I've taken quite a geeky approach to this. Um, which I know I've got form when it comes to this. I was thinking about how you would quantify this in terms of making your name, because obviously it's quite a subjective thing. So what I've looked at is I've looked at a combination of international caps, kind of major honours, one as a player and general kind of reputation um, hmm. is the three kind of things that I've used. And I've, I've come up with, I've got 10 in order okay. of, of what I think it is. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what I. That's how I've approached it. Probably got a lot more detail than I have then, because I just like these sort of people who I could either way and just put them down on paper. Yeah, that's what I did. I kind of started the list, and I thought actually I don't know if any of these people have have actually, you know, what what they've actually won. Yeah, I've got no no order to mine. I've just got I've got fourteen names, but they're not as like yeah ordered and that. I've gone from kind of one to ten. I've gone the obvious the obvious one at number one. I've gone for is Vicente. Um, 
I think, you know, just in terms of we've obviously we've referenced him before. I don't think we'll have his like in terms of reputation playing for the Albion. Obviously, 38 caps for Spain, five major honours, including La Liga, the Copa del Rey and the UEFA Cup. So um, I do have one competition for that, but I'll leave that till after you've done. Yeah, no, let's go. I, so I've got him at number one. Number two, I've got Wayne Bridge. Um, again, similar number of caps for England, 36 caps for England. He's won the Premier League, the FA Cup, the League Cup. And he was in the Premier League PFA team of the year. Um, number three, I've gone for a slightly controversial one, oh, um, here <laughs> which I've actually put in Thomas Kushak. Oh, yeah. And if you look at major honours one, uh, he's won three Premier Leagues, a League Cup, a Champions League and a Club World Cup. That's which not is bad, a fair is it? old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How list. much he played in that time is obviously yeah the yeah it's up for, it's up for debate. Um, Bobby Smith number four um, only played fifteen times for England but scored thirteen goals which is yeah. pretty decent. He was Five major honours. He, he won. I'd have put a number one in a way in terms of the biggest shock in terms of signing and yeah biggest name compared to where we were at the time. I know obviously yeah. I was nowhere near alive at that point, but you know it kind of like strikes me as being an absolutely massive signing. Yeah, yeah saw... five, again, won, won a couple of first divisions, a couple of FA Cups, Cup Winners' Cup. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he's essentially a brilliant player. We signed him and he, we got promoted. He, he was top scorer that season, I think. Um, we're talking yeah. lower, lower divisions, yeah. but still, nonetheless, you know, he still well, had it. I read somewhere, was it about someone else, that we paid off his gambling debts and that's why yeah. it's time for that's us. That's probably him, yeah. Just, so. just going to say that, yeah. Actually, my neighbour who's passed away now, but um, an old neighbour I used to have around the corner um, was chatting away about this. And he's, he's a Spurs fan, so obviously knows... Bobby yeah. Smith uh, background. He actually knows Bobby Smith as well. He used to see him in bookies, and uh, you see he seems to have debts in every bookies you can you can find. Um, <laughs> wow. So I think paying off his gambling debts was probably a sizable fee, effectively <laughs> still. But um, yeah. but that was a hell of a coup. Yeah, I have Vicente and Bridge top two. Bobby Smith, I wasn't sure where to put on the list for that basis, but it, he's up there as well. Yeah, Kushak, I didn't think of actually, which no, maybe says something. Yeah, you didn't know. Um, so that was a slightly yeah. controversial one. And then five, I've gone Frank Stapleton. Yeah. Um, 71 caps for Ireland. Yeah. Won, won the FA Cup three times. Yeah. Uh, six, I've gone Gotsman off. Yeah. Um, 37 caps for the USSR. Yeah. Won the Soviet yeah. League title before. Yeah. And then seven, eight, nine, and ten. Seven, I've gone Matt Upson. Yeah. Eight, I've gone Darren Bent. Nine, I've gone Robbie Savage. And ten, Steve Harper. Cool. Another bit of a oh. random one. Savage squeezes in again. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I mean, all of those names are listed somewhere for me. Um, the only things I'll add to that is we also had another Frank, Frank Worthington, who was another one of those people that looks like he just popped out of the pub after a couple of pints of mild, have a couple of cigarettes, his slipped back, balding hair, um, strutting around the pitch as if he owns it. Um, he was way, way past his best. He was a really good player in the top flight for a number of clubs. Leicester, I think, was the main club he played for, actually. But um, but he was he was a quality player. I remember him playing in the, uh, I think it was the late 80s for us. Um, Jimmy Case as well. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, then you've got, um, you've also got Johnny Byrne. He, he's a funny one because he could you could argue different things with Johnny Byrne, couldn't you, on that one? Yeah, he uh, was the one I mentioned off, off air that actually I had, he could be in both lists. Yeah. Hmm. Because when he joined us, he'd obviously had a, I think he came from, he played for QPR, hadn't he, quite a lot. And then you'd gone to yeah. the Havre. Obviously then he's had, very, had three stints with the Albion, I think, didn't he? Um, yeah. But obviously, the, yeah. you know, the thing that he's most renowned, well, one of his things that he's most renowned for actually happened after he left, which is obviously scored in 
scored in every round of the FA Cup other than the final in '92. Hmm. So yeah, he was he was the one that I mentioned. You could you could have him in in either list or both lists. Yeah, yeah, it's a good shout. Um, another one of obviously is Bruno. Um, pretty good well, stand that he was at. Yeah, um, good shout. Spanish international caps. Yeah, he played in. Did he play in the Champions League final or just semi-finals? Can't remember that. Semi-finals. Semi-final. Yeah. yeah. But but an all-round accomplished, well-known player. I'm not not at the very top in terms of well-known, but uh, yeah, I a... have to admit I hadn't heard of him before he signed for the Albion. That's hmm. the only reason I I didn't put him in. Um, given what we discussed though, in terms of actual honours, Jimmy Case arguably is top. Actually, I mean he's won three European Cup. I'm just checking how many it was he won. He won three European Cups when he joined the Albion with Liverpool. Wow. wow. A pretty good CV. Yeah. It is a pretty good CV. I've not yeah, yes, he's, he's the obvious one that I've missed, obviously. slightly. I've, I've not got many to add. Um, Dave Besant was one. He obviously won the FA Yeah, Cup good shout. Um, very good shout. Yeah, joined us at a very old age. And Sorry, you finished for us? Or... Uh, no, carry on. I've got a couple more, but carry oh, on there, actually. You finished yours then. Sorry, I was... Uh, yeah, okay. Well, um... What I was going to say was there's um, one or two other names that come to mind. There's um, Martin Chivers. He uh, was essentially only with us for a season. He ended his career with us, actually. So it's another ex-Tottenham player. Um, I mean, he... I'm trying to look at his details, actually. The screen's gone funny here. He was playing with um, Southampton initially, I think. I think he's from that area, actually. Uh, 63-64 season, around that sort of time. Um, I think he went on to make uh, some appearances for England. I'm struggling to get my info up here. He played it, 24 times for England. I'm just... Oh, that's just it, yeah, yeah. 13 Spurs. goals and 24 caps. Pretty good record again. Yeah, yeah, and he joined us for the 79-80 season, actually. Uh, as I said, he finished his career with us. I was only made one a year. Whopping, oh, made a whopping five appearances, according to Wikipedia. Right. <laughs> so he but, just... I mean, it says... It did say that he, he then went... Actually, Pete, you'll be interested. He finished... He actually finished his career in 1982-3 playing for Barnet. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. The Barnet connection. Right, I'm, only going off, I'm only going off Wikipedia here, so... Maybe that's yeah. a new um, show we can come up with. Players who play for both Brighton and Barnet. That's a good feature. <laughs> Bissett and Codman definitely would come in that, that, that category because they signed for Barnet. <laughs> Darren Curry? Or was he just a manager? Did he yeah, play for Barnet? We signed a player called right. Danny Mills from them, the Gillingham years as well. Was yeah, I think Danny Cur- uh, Darren Curry did play for Barnet, didn't he? Yeah, before yeah. he managed. He's one of Barnet's yeah. best players for quite a while. Yeah. A um, yeah. couple sorry, of other names. Off topic. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, going, going back to, the, um, to, to those that made their name before uh, joining us and then joining us later, well, you've got one that's both sides of the equation, which is Steve Sidwell, which we'll probably come to in more yeah. detail on the loans. But the other one is uh, Justin Fashionu. Oh, yeah. Of course, oh, yeah, was the, of course good show. Um, Huge name in, in the game for various reasons. He's uh, yeah. obviously a tragic figure in the end in terms of what happened, but uh, he was some talent. Great player, played at the very pinnacle. Um, yeah. Really great player. And uh, yeah. yeah, that's my list. But Peter, do you have any others as well? I just had a few kind of <coughs> small names, I think, based on players who joined us from maybe we were in a lower level when we were, who had done a lot more. Like Kisha Chef was obviously a played quite high level when he yeah. joined us like, from, in the Premier League quite regularly. Um, Kitson, I had like quite a regular. Oh yeah, Kitson, Newcastle, yeah. West Ham, yeah, so yeah. around a lot. Um, Simon Morgan to a degree as well. But the other, only other one, the really big one I could think of, and it's maybe similar to like Bruno in a sense, is Montoya. 
he played for Valencia. Yeah, Barcelona. played quite a lot. Well, yeah, 100 games for Barcelona or more, isn't it? So Yeah, that's true. You're I missing... Guess... You're, I've just thought of another one. You're missing another possibly more famous right-back already touched on in a previous episode. Uh, who have I missed? Ooh. The, one, the one and only Jason Dodd. Oh, yeah. That, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he yeah, the one club man that. until he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> just at the end. Yeah. I, I guess you could say Ben Roberts to a degree. He played in the yeah. cup final. He was in the top yeah. division. Not, not on the same he level. He conceded the fastest ever cup final goal, didn't he? He, didn't, he, he did. He talked about that on the aforementioned podcast I was chatting about earlier. He's, uh, yeah. Yes, he's very proud of that, I think. He played in two <laughs> cup finals, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's he's played a, he played in the League Cup. Did he win the League Cup with Middlesbrough? No, they lost no, he, finals and, went, and got relegated in the same season. They, oh, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, and on the podcast, still, I'm not sure he's still the fastest because um, didn't Saha score for Everton against Chelsea or something like that? Oh yeah, it might have been overtaken okay. now. But uh, Ben Roberts actually, he he's losing FA Cup finalist, League Cup finalist, and uh, full members cup trophy or full members trophy. You know, which is the LDV. Yeah, I think whatever. Now, that's not, so that's not good He's been accolade, three times to Wembley and lost them all, which is quite impressive. Have Italian Cup, though? That's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I mean, we've got a good list there. I mean, I don't know. Do we, do we pick 11 from there? What do you three, think? I'd say, probably just top Yeah, I think, I think if you're going to go, I think Vicente's got to be in there. Yeah. I'd say Bobby Smith's got to be in there. Yeah. Case, probably. And probably, yeah, and Jimmy Case. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, so three different eras there. Bobby Smith, Jimmy Case, a different era. Vicente, a different era again. Yeah. If you're pure trophies, Case has to win it in a way because it's he won three European Cups, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Hell of a yeah, player. And, and wasn't just a, a you know reserve player. Bit part, he, yeah. He, he played a key part in the first two, I think, at least. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good, it's a good list. Us, so probably less part of it, but... Yeah, it's a very yeah. good list. Yeah. That's looking good, brilliant. Well, what players about players that made their name after? I struggled with this slightly. Yeah, um, you mentioned Sidwell, but apart from apart from that, what, what else have we I got? I think here? the obvious the obvious one that's got to be number one is Mark Lawrence, and I'd have thought. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, he, five won five first division titles, League Cup, FA Cup, European Cups. Yeah, um, only had limited yeah. success at Preston beforehand, so he really made his name after us. Nine hundred thousand, apparently, he was sold for some say yeah. a million. Um, yeah, record signing for a uh, sale for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. he's a hell of a player. I think it was until um, Zamora, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And Zamora's on my list as well, of course, because he, uh, well, he didn't go. Yeah, on Zamora's on my list as well. Yeah, but he, you know, he played Premier League football with two different clubs, three different clubs, was it maybe? West yeah, Ham got to the, yeah, got all the way to the Europe, well, UEFA Cup final, didn't he? With Fulham. Yeah, exactly, and and he, he got into the England squad. He, he made I mean, one. He's a difficult one because obviously he was in the, you know, he was a, to football fans, he was fairly well known for his exploits with us. Yeah. Um, it is a difficult one. Yeah, I had him on my list as well, to be honest, because obviously he did, yeah. did the bulk yeah. of his stuff. Another um, big one I'd have to shout out at this point um, is Martin Kuhn. Uh We had him on yeah. loan for him. Weeks yeah. um, Made his debut at the Goldstone in a home match and... Went on obviously to great things. He was part of yeah, the, uh, the great Arsenal team yeah. for that period. Yeah, the Invincibles yeah. and so on. So, you know, he, he was another one. Okay. Yeah. Who else have we got, guys? I, I, uh, here you go, Pete. Sorry. I've got a couple of ones I'll throw in there and then I'll go for the more run the mill ones. Um, Dean Saunders was one that. Yeah. Obviously yeah, I've got him. Big stuff in the yeah, 80s and 90s after he left Albion. Um, yeah. 
And the other one I was going to say was Steve Foster. And you could argue he's before and after as well, actually, because yeah. he did come back. But um, yeah. he obviously played for England, went to a World Cup with England, played yeah. Yeah. Position a lot. Yeah, good that's chat. not a bad show. Saunders, I mean, he, yeah, he went on to big things, didn't he? We sold him to uh, Pistons, was it Oxford. Absolutely think, nothing, yeah. actually. And he ended up going to Liverpool quickly, didn't he? And later on to Villa as well. Uh, great yeah. player. I mean, I loved him as a player at the Albion. Um, he, he completely turned Stuart Pearce inside out when playing on the right wing in their League Cup second round game at the Goldstone one evening, I remember, which uh, was one of the favourite moments watching the Albion, I think, back in the day. Yeah, great, great player. Um, yeah, who else have you got? I will mention before, before I just leave it because the other ones are all run the middle. It's one who's won the Premier League and that's Ajoa. Obviously, he didn't play a huge part of it, but no. he went on to be yeah. part of that Leicester team who won the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good shout. Yeah. Um, other than that, I've got uh, I've got Jesse Lingard. Yeah, yeah. It's a kind of obvious one, and, and I've got I think probably the same as Pete. I've got a few other sort of run of the mill ones. I've got Ashley Barnes on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got Chris Steve Wood. Cook. I've got Chris. Yeah, I've got Chris Wood. On. I've got Steve Cook on there. Obviously yeah, gone on to captain the Premier League team. You could say um, Tommy as well, couldn't you? Really? Yeah, he's, I, I uh, More prominent with us, but he's been initially, but he was. Uh, he was in the Premier League and went up two divisions, wasn't it, with Bournemouth, I think? Yeah, it was still yeah. in the Premier League, wasn't he, I think, from memory. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had McShane on loan as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't do massive things, but he did so play. I'd argue, yeah, his career sort of plateaued slightly, didn't it? Mm. We had yeah. yeah. Burgo for his five appearances at Celtic. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose he's more he's he's kind of players he's kind of more infamous rather than <laughs> yeah. isn't he yeah. probably for his yeah and it's, it's kind of similar with but... some some of the other names are similar aren't they Andrew Croft Elliot Bennett mm. and the yeah. coach kid aka homophobic college yeah exactly another infamous one really yeah but... I mean they're, they're all sort of did slightly more after they went I wouldn't exactly say they were household names but no. they're all quite obviously okay. Tamori is another one isn't it up and coming. Oh yeah, now has got played a full. He's got a couple of well, a couple of England caps now. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't put him down. That's a good point. Yeah, um, um, I've got a couple of others actually. Fullbacks, um, Gary Stevens from the top flight years. Oh yeah, good shout. Year, um, who went on to play for Tottenham with distinction and for England as well on a number of occasions. And um, well, Boo Hiss, but John Gregory as well, very good player. Um, went on to play um, at the top flight with other clubs. Again, really good player. Um, possibly not that most the most famous of names, really. He was one of those that went under the radar. An absolute bellend, um, it must be said as well, uh, for, for the whole seagull. I, I on, just, on the, on I the just wish he wouldn't sit on the fence so much. <laughs> Coming a habit. Yeah, yeah, I must, I must be less diplomatic here. Yeah. Absolutely can't stand the bloke. Um, I know. If you compare him um, to FIFA, how, how would you feel like in between the two? If you had to, if you had to choose John Gregory or Jack Warner for a dinner party, who's, who's coming? Who's coming round? I think I'd probably go for Warner. I think he'd be more entertaining. Gregory, he'll probably, be, well, he'd probably, he'd probably pick up. Well, I was saying maybe he wouldn't pick up the bill. No, he probably, probably wouldn't. Yeah. He'd he, he, he off. Yeah. but Gregory strikes me as a very boring man as well. I don't, I don't think he'd be much fun either. Um, yeah. He was one of the only people that turned down the opportunity to be part of a. A multiple uh, football biography of the the era when he was at the Albion. Um, right. What didn't want to know, and I think it's to do with the whole fuss around um, Gareth Barry and Villa and yeah. everything. But, um, but as far as I'm concerned, Gregory and Ellis. <laughs> See you later, boys. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> the flip side to that kind of thing is the deal that 
Dick Knight did for Virgo at Celtic, isn't it? Yeah. Which is when they went, what do you want for yeah. him? One one point five million, and they went. He must have. Yeah. Dick Knight must have fainted when they were like, "Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we'll pay that." Yeah, yeah, exactly. So well, I'm not really convinced on that one. Um, the only other one I've got, um, which is a slightly boring one, is I've got Dean Hammond on the list as well. Yeah, yeah, because he, he stepped kind of on, didn't he? Stepped With, up was and went Leicester. To, yeah, he went to play for Leicester for a while, didn't he? So yeah, yeah. Played Premier League. That was yeah. it from me. Yes, I mean, once you get below the top three or four, they're basically just ones who've been in the Premier League, aren't they? They're not. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. No one really inspirational there after the top three or four. No. Mm. So I'd say, yeah, it's Mark. Obviously, Loro's out in front. I would say Loro's out in front fairly comfortably. Um, And then after that, it's difficult because if if you're judging it on who went on to have a great career, uh, it's probably probably Keown and Saunders. Yeah, I think Keown gets second. I'd forgotten about Keown. I think he must get second. Or potentially Sidwell is probably on there as well. Yeah, because he played for Chelsea. Obviously, well, yeah, he had a really, yeah. you know, he had a good kind of decade in the Premier League, really. Yeah, Keown was a regular tip player in a team that did one leagues, whereas Sidwell never was. Sidwell was a regular player for very good sides, but when he went to Chelsea, was not really a regular. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say Keown comes second, maybe Sidwell third. Yeah, and I'd go. Yeah, yeah, Lawrence and Lawrence and Keown Sidwell, I'd go with. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that sounds all right, doesn't it? Sounds quite reasonable. Yeah. 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 yeah, after okay. that, you really do just get down to bit part players in teams. Like you say, yeah, basically anyone who's gone on to do anything in a yeah. higher division, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only other thing... Saunders yeah. fourth and then, like, maybe maybe Ojoa fifth, or Foster fifth and Ojoa sixth because he happened to win a Premier League while being, like, back up. Yeah, and scoring, yeah. scored the odd, yeah. scored a few important goals well, on the way. Penalty, how, do you, how do you measure it? That's true, yeah, because he wasn't the main part of that was he no. but he was part no. of it that's it's, why I say it's difficult that's why I'd not say it was a main part of Leicester's Premier League <laughs> no yeah. but then again I suppose if you take it I don't know it's difficult isn't it you say you take out his goals and maybe they might still have won it it's very difficult isn't it yeah yeah. You've got a yeah I think it's a good goals, list anyway. excellent we move on to our next selections. Well, I don't know what we'll do next. We'll probably discuss this off air. But uh, I'm thinking uh, best players with your initials might be one we could do. Um, is this is this selections? That could be. A... <laughs> is this is this so? This is people that has got to have both your first and last name initial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite a difficult it's one. It's very quite... difficult. Mm, I can't think of anyone. Can anyone right? actually think? Can anyone actually think of any off the top of your head with your initials? Um, not at the uh, moment. No. no. So, so these could be poor teams. Um, I'm looking. This could, I'm this could be. A, is it? So this it has to be Albion players, yeah? No, I um, players or any I player. Think, I think it could be any players, but you probably okay. get a bonus point for getting Albion players. In well, there, you've got, it? you've got, you've got an obvious one, Russ. Uh, right. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's thanks. A pretty good. That's, that's a pretty good one. You can have that lovely. one in the bank. That's good. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, I think probably. Mine and Russ's are probably more common than yours. Yeah, mine's probably. Is yeah, mine's a bit issue. different. Oh no! Oh no! I thought I had one, but then I realised I can't spell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be an important part of this. Like, yeah, that is. Yeah, I'll, uh, all right. I'm not going sh- to show my working. Should we? Should we do that next time then? Yeah, let's do that one. That sounds brilliant. Good. Okay, it's a deal. So, so players with our particular initials. Well, so that if you're being technical. If you're ignoring the V, you could go for Ricky Van Wolfswinkle. That is, that's yeah. a good one. 
That is a good Ooh, I don't know. Can you ignore the V's on that? It's a lowercase V, isn't it? So, it's yeah. a lowercase V. Now I'm gonna. I might. I'll keep that one to fall back on. But I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find some better ones than that. Better players have better options. Well, both. Marvellous stuff. Well, there we go, boys. That's it for this week. Um, so thank you very much again for joining us, Robin and Peter. Great to hear from you again. Okay. Um, just a quick bit of um, notices. Um, don't forget, if you wanted to contact us, it's brightonrockpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also Twitter brightonrockpod at brightonrockpo1. Uh, you can follow us and listen on Spotify or on iTunes. If you do on iTunes, hit subscribe and rate us five stars if you are willing to. And even write a review if you're willing to do that too. Um, it help. Yeah, yeah, as long as they're good, exactly. Um, also, uh, we'd love to, uh, to hear your tweets. If you wanted to use the hashtag BHAFC or Brighton Rock Pod, and you can retweet any of our own materials. Um, we're also affiliated with Seagulls Over London. And so if anybody's got any inquiries about that, you can... Uh, contact us on www.seagullsoverlondon.com that's the website and then just follow the link to the email there uh, in the meantime next week we'll be back hopefully if you're available Robin we can do the initials team yeah, that's going to be absolutely. exciting stuff and hopefully we'll have a slightly less busy uh, week of news that was a bit exhausting to be honest that was there was a lot going on <laughs> who needed a lot sure, yeah. going on when we couldn't actually play football or watch football yeah, I know there's more news than when we can play but we'll, we'll see what comes up in the week and we will be chatting about that no doubt on the next one so until then stand or fall up the Albion Sports Social Podcast Network with the Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 